Welcome back to the Failing Forward podcast with Niku Loesch. I am very, very excited, blessed, and grateful to have a power couple, Mrs. Angela Blymiller and her amazing husband, Mr. Sean Blymiller, joining us today to share a very touching story. I first met Sean on Clubhouse. Yes, the streets of Clubhouse yet again bring me in connection with some amazing humans. And when I heard his story and I read his bio and I started to look into his work and then I found his wife on social media and I saw all the content that she's creating, my heart was just moved. Like literally emotionally, tears were streaming down my face. And I was just like, I need to get you guys on the podcast. I need to share this story with the world because there are so many people out there that are dealing with pain and suffering and they don't need to be. And there are tools, techniques that we can all be implementing to take back our health, to feel our best, not just us as adults, but things that we can be doing to help the lives of our children and our children's children. So with no further ado, I want to go ahead and welcome to the podcast, Mrs. Angela and Mr. Sean, welcome to Failing Forward. Hey there. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. I want to highlight your failing forward story. So as a family, you guys are like the cutest little family. If I just looked at your pictures on Instagram, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're wholesome. They have the daughter, they have the son, very, very beautiful wife and gorgeous home, very intelligent husband, obviously very supportive. Like everything looks perfect on paper, but what a lot of people don't realize is the pain that's happening literally within. So let's highlight that story. Well, Where do we uh, start? It's kind uh, of what a question. I think that, um, so we've been married for how many years, husband? 13. 13 years. He was testing you right there just so you know. She knew how many years and she's like, do you know our anniversary? <laughs> um, and let's see, we had our daughter about five years into our marriage. Um, we started probably in our health journey, maybe just a little bit before I got pregnant with my daughter, we were wanting to get, you know, our health on track to conceive. And we started diving into a little bit of research. Sean, do you want to take over with that? Well, you gave me a huge compliment, Niku, of saying that I was intelligent, but I have to admit that I was kind of pressured into it, I guess would be a good way to put it is, um, I fought against Angela for a long time. Um, when she's always been health conscious and when we were married, uh, I was just thinking about this the other day, we actually were pescatarians for a long period of time. Cause we had read the China study and we had read all about the, um, how meat can really contribute to a lot of heart disease and chronic illness. And so we were pescatarian for about 18 months and that was really driven by Angela. Um, and then we, uh, ended up having kids and, um, got into the American lifestyle, you know, convenience. Uh, we were always on the go, uh, eating, uh, unhealthy foods. And we had a, our son who has special needs. He has been diagnosed with autism and pandas. And Angela did a lot of research to really figure out how to best help him. And she had created a network on uh, Instagram of moms across the country where they were all really investigating what are the best tools, what are the best things we can do as moms to help these kids heal their guts, uh, to help them, you know, progress at, the, at a higher rate. And she came to me um, after doing a lot of this research and connecting with these moms and saying, hey, we need to go gluten-free, dairy-free, casein-free. And I was like, what? What in the world is that? And she kept coming to me a few times um, asking me to participate because just one person in the family to do that diet's impossible, right? Everyone has to commit. And she kept asking, kept asking. And I honestly thought it was hippie logic. I was like, you're crazy. This is no way is this going to do anything. But finally, she um, really asked me, Hey, can you please give this a try? And I said, fine, I'll give you two weeks. And then after that two weeks, I don't want to hear another thing about it, but I will fully commit for two weeks just so I can prove you wrong. Yeah. And what a big part of our pain and suffering that I think is important to talk about is our little boy was developing typically and healthy and everything was on track and something changed 
drastically when he received a certain vaccine and he stopped responding to his name. He stopped talking. He stopped developing. He stopped eating. He regressed to like protein smoothies and a protein bar. And that was literally the only two foods that he ate. So there was a lot of pain and suffering and, um, awakening that had to happen before we came to this point, obviously. So when we decided to do the diet change, it was like, I don't, we have to do something like something has to change. And none of the doctors that we're talking to are getting us anywhere. Like they wanted to, I mean, we did so many different tests. They thought he had hearing loss. They thought that he maybe had like all of these different things but we know what happened to our son. And so for me as a mom, I just started diving into other moms and other stories that were similar to our sons. And I just was like, we have to do this diet change. And not only for our family um, to be like completely on top of it for everyone in our family, but as a toddler taking, feeding a toddler, like there's so much there's so many meltdowns. There's so many things where like he wants what he wants. So I needed my husband to be on board so that he just wasn't feeding him whatever. Um, so within one week of that diet change, Theo, uh, regained eye contact, which he had lost. Like he did not, after the injury, he did not have any eye contact and he had stopped responding to his name. So within that one week of the diet change, he regained eye contact and he started responding to his name again. That's incredible. And the main things that you guys did is you, you took out the gluten, you said no to dairy, no to casein, which is the protein in dairy that many of us after the age of five, we don't have the enzyme to even break it down. And you said no to soy. These are very inflammatory foods that cause a lot of inflammation, which leads to a lot of issues cognitively and with other systems in our body. So I think that's such a powerful testament now I want to get a little bit into the controversial side of this discussion with the, the vaccines, right? So my husband and I, we were like polar opposites. When we had our son Kai two and a half years ago, I was anti-vax and he was hundred percent for it. So something had to give and we had to compromise. We did um, delayed vaccinations, but even then I felt like guilty. He knew I couldn't go to the appointments. I was not the one to hold down Kai when they were putting those shots into his legs. Like I cannot do that. But let's dive into this because I know there's a lot of people that are out there like the vaccine didn't cause that, right? They're like hugely in support. There's all this research and it didn't happen. But for parents that have gone through it and they saw the immediate change, can you speak to that in the research that you've done and the other testimonies that you heard from other parents? Because I haven't been through that, but I know someone who has working at Lifetime Fitness, a personal trainer, same thing. Her child was vaccinated and immediately developed autism. Everyone else that works at Lifetime is like, you're crazy. It's not related. Can you talk about your story and your research? Sean, you want to take this one? It's so, it's so hard. I think that um, as a parent to watch, to know that you allowed this to happen to your child, I think it's, I mean, we could have a whole podcast just on the pain and suffering that of remorse and the guilt that we carry because of that. But for us, we, I felt like we kind of, um, had a feeling in the beginning when we first started to vaccinate our daughter, we kind of started questioning things, but then both of our kids were born with some, um, some little quirks. And so they were in the NICU. And at that point we we're kind of like, oh, we just trust the doctors. We just go with what they say because they're in the NICU and we were worried. But to be honest, I don't think that my son would have even been in the NICU had I not received of vaccines that I did when I was pregnant. Well, and it, it, this is such a sensitive subject and people's uh, reactions have been visceral. And to be honest, it's actually been a little bit nice over the last few months because more and more people believe us now than ever before. Angela has a following on Instagram that she created because of her uh, willingness to share our story. Um, she has about 26,000 followers and the majority of them followed her when she started sharing Theo's stories and um, his story of how he was vaccine injured, how he came to find out that he was vaccine injured. And then she added to that where a lot of people reached out and they were terrified to share their story because of people's visceral reactions, how negatively people responded to them when they told them uh, oh, that's actually what happened. 
Um, but Angela shared these people's stories on Instagram as well. And this was well before COVID-19. Um, this is a year and a half, two years prior to this pandemic that we went through that we were outspoken about it. And, you know, the way that we found it is we had some suspicions ourselves, but we work with a functional medicine doctor and he, and he sat us down and gave us a timeline where we went through everything that my son was faced with um, from in utero to present day. And it wasn't until that day that we like looked at paper and looked at actual specific dates that we saw is like, there's no denying it. Like people can get mad at us. They can tell us on social media that they wish we would just die being anti-vax. You know, I don't know how many times we've been attacked because of uh, our knowledge of this and our view on this, but we sat down and we looked and there was two dates. Angela got the, the DTAP vaccine um, when she was 32 weeks pregnant with Theo. Theo stopped growing at 32 weeks. He was actually born premature three weeks later. When he was born, uh, his uh, umbilical cord, everything was completely healthy. And they just could not understand why he had stopped growing because they called it uh, uh, uterine growth restriction. And at that time, when they had found that he had stopped growing, you know, they ran all these tests and I was in the fraternal metals, medicine what is that called? Internal field medicine um, specialists quite often. And they could not figure out why he had stopped growing because up until that point, we had had a very healthy pregnancy. Um, so this functional medicine doctor helped us connect the dots that at 32 weeks, when I received the Tdap vaccine, that is when our son Theo stopped growing and developing in utero. And then fast forward almost two years later, and he receives another Tdap vaccine, and that's when he stopped developing again. So can it be said that this specific vaccine didn't work specifically for your son or for specific children, or can it be said that any vaccine could potentially be harmful to our children? That's a really good question. There's I kind of have mixed feelings and I think there's so much that goes into it. I think that we're all born with this, um, like this load that we can take as far as our toxic load. And I think that according to your genetic makeup and according to like the different mutations that your body might have in, um, enabling your body to detox, I think that varies our detox or our um, toxic threshold. And so we believe that Theo just reached his toxic threshold at such a young age, who knows why, maybe genetics, maybe, you know, things that I passed down to him. And that's what kind of pulled the trigger. Um, what do you think, Sean? Well, in our research, we've read a lot about the blood brain barrier that a lot of times it doesn't fully develop until two, three years old or older. And the blood brain barrier, basically what it means is in your bloodstream, everyone argues when we bring up um, vaccines that uh, we have toxins all the time and our body can detox uh, and we we're exposed to toxins all the time in plastics and whatever in our environments and our bodies are built to detox. However, when you're talking about an infant, when um, you're carrying toxins in your blood, uh, the blood brain barrier, meaning there's actual, actually a physical barrier that prevents toxins from your blood to go into your brain. And that's not fully developed until two, three years old. And so I think you had mentioned that you had delayed your vaccines for your son. I think that's very smart that at the very least, that's what we recommend to everyone that we interact with that has those questions, at least wait till three years old or older. Um, to even have that discussion, because you look at Japan and Japan, for example, has far less rates of um, autism or any sort of um, chronic illness. And I think my belief is chronic illness that we have so rampant in our country. A lot of it is uh, attributed to toxic overload and talk. And there are many toxins in vaccines. We're talking about Thermosol, which is, uh, has been removed just recently, but if we're talking about our age, I'm 38 years old, um, you could have had, which is mercury, right, in, 
in your vaccine or there's aluminum or they have to, in these compounds, they have to have something that uh, combines the different chemicals together. The binders is what they call it. And so then when you're talking about aluminum and these other things, they're toxic to the human brain. And so uh, it, it's so disappointing to, to hear all the stories. And it, the part that makes us so upset is that people are so, so rude and so dismissive. dismissive. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we could even just talk about how the CDC schedule for vaccines is so different than other countries. And it's, it's just crazy the amount of vaccines that we do on kids versus compared to when I received vaccines and I was fully vaccinated and I received probably a quarter of the amount that my daughter had received by the age of five. Yeah, I remember even for me, like there was all these vaccines that were coming in when I was nine and 10 and 14 years old. They're like, oh, we need to go ahead and get this one in. And it's like, okay, there's a difference when you're being vaccinated at nine and 14 years old, as opposed to when you're getting those same vaccines at zero, one, two and four years old. And I don't think that's something that anyone can can argue. I mean, you think about it, a baby comes into the world and what is everyone worried about? Don't touch the baby's hands. Don't kiss the baby's mouth because they're developing their immune system. Right. And especially babies that are born through C-sections, they didn't have the opportunity to go and pass through the mother's canal. Right. Um, and to be able to get that extra immune support. So you have to be so careful with C-section babies, but people don't realize that we're putting these toxins into our babies. And it's very similar. You're toxifying a child that hasn't already developed their detoxification channels, like their liver and their kidneys. So I think that's something really important. And, you know, detox is becoming a very popular thing right now in the holistic health world. People are trying to live really healthy, natural lives. And everyone's like, we need to detoxify. We need to detoxify. And the number one thing that we're detoxifying from are heavy metals heavy metals that are in a lot of our vaccines. It's so crazy. But if you say that you don't believe in vaccines, or you say that you're delaying vaccination for your children, then people look at you like you're irresponsible. Like, oh my gosh, you might, you know, cause measles to come back. Like people freak out. Right. And it's just, it's this discussion that I think that we need to have from an open hearted standpoint. Like people need to just stop with their beliefs for a second and just listen, listen to people's testimony on what they've experienced and the research that they've done, instead of just being so dismissive, I think it's, I think it's a major issue. And I think it's a major problem of why we, we have so much segregation and so much isolation and so much separation right now today in our society, especially here in the United States. Well, and I think, uh, I think from my perspective that, um, adverse events are real and, the the slogan is that they're rare um and the cdc posts that on their on their advertisements all the time which is so infuriating for us as a family because they're not rare when it happens to you right when it happens to you and you see the pain and the trauma that it causes not only to the individual that suffers the adverse event but the family that supports that individual for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Well, and even I have a friend, a close framing friend that he had a bunch of blood clots in um, throughout his body after he got the COVID vaccine. And right. And so the, these adverse events, they're happening all across the globe and more and more people are really seeing it, which is good for us as a family, because we were kind of in the dark for a long time where a lot of people are like, you guys are crazy. You're just looking for a reason to blame your diagnosis on your son. It, this is not something that really happened. Your son just has disabilities. That's how God created him or how he was meant to be. And you're just looking for someone to hate and blame. And that's just not the truth. Yeah. And I, I think we need to go ahead and clarify for those that are listening in right now. We're not saying like, let's be completely anti-vax. We're just saying that we need to be doing it a better way. And we also want to just share with with you, our testimony, like this is what we experienced. I mean, I can speak to the COVID-19 vaccination. I have very, very close family members who shortly after getting that COVID-19 vax started to experience some heart conditions and they started to experience some mental health issues. And that's not to say that didn't happen for everyone, but if it's happening to people closest to you, then your eyes become open. You're like, Whoa, there there's a correlation here. Then let's have the discussion. But in, if you haven't experienced that with anyone that you know, then you look at it like, 
oh, those people are just crazy. They're just hippie woo woo. As Sean was saying about his wife, when she was making those diet changes for her family. And you guys, you just, we, we need to really stop jumping to conclusions and judging people just because you haven't experienced what they haven't experienced. No one can talk about hate crime and tell me that just because I'm not a certain color or a certain race that I don't know what they're feeling when I experienced hate crime when 9-11 happened because I'm Persian American. So it infuriates me today when people look at me and they say, well, you're not the same color as us. So you don't understand what we're going through. Well, maybe I don't understand exactly what you're going through, but can you just stop judging me based on the color of my skin and realize that I had very real experiences that are very similar to what you're going through, but because they're not exactly the same, you're going to go ahead and oust me and say that she is different from us. This segregation, isolation, separation problem is a pandemic that is causing depression. It's causing people to not feel like they have a voice. It's causing people to feel like they they don't belong. And that needs to change. Yes, that's, that's the real pandemic, honestly. That in our poor foods. So let's dive into that. Let's dive into how our nutrition and the foods that we're eating are affecting our mood, how the nutrition and the foods that we're eating are leading to chronic pain, chronic illness. They're leading to inflammation. I love that you guys also love Dr. Mark, Mark Hyman. He's incredible. And he says it himself, six out of 10 people are suffering from chronic disease, chronic disease being something that has happened and it's starting to happen and happen and happen. And when you have chronic inflammation for a prolonged period of time that develops into autoimmune conditions, we have the most amount of autoimmune disease than we've ever had in the history of ever. And it's a direct correlation with a lot of these diets that people are subscribing to that I do not support, but that's a a discussion for a different day. Let's dive into your experience and how food has changed your family and helped Theo with his healing. Well, I'll just tell the quick story of how that two week period, um, just before we had started my daughter, Eva, uh, she's nine now. So there's about a two and a half year difference between the two kids. And she came in crying to us at one point saying, Hey, mom, dad, why doesn't my brother love me? And we're like, what do you mean? He loves you. She said, well, all my friends, brothers play with the younger brothers play with them. And or talk to them or, or, you know, play games with them. And so we're like, it just broke us, broke our heart when she said that. And we just, you know, had to explain that Theo's a little different and he's slow in development and that he'll catch up eventually. And anyway, we had started the diet. And again, I was totally against it. And talking to a lot of the different doctors, what we work with, it's always the dads that hold everyone up. So dads out there, listen to this story please, I beg you, because you could possibly be the one holding up your child's development. But um, after about a week of us fully committing, and it was difficult, it was really hard. The first couple of days, he would have meltdowns because he would want his protein bar, like literally his he was tweaking like he was a drug addict that he did not want anything else. And he would go hungry. And, you know, that was painful for us to watch him cry. And, you know, he's hungry, but he's refusing everything you put in front of him. But the kids get hungry enough that they'll eventually try other things. But as he started trying these other foods, (laughs) we're in the back room in our bedroom. And Eva comes running into our bedroom and says, Mommy, Daddy, did you hear that? Theo's laughing at me. Theo's laughing at me. And, you know, that was the moment right then and there. I turned to Angela and I said, all right, I guess this diet is working. Uh, Let's go. Let's keep going. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the word diet is taboo because diets are started only to be stopped. They're started temporarily for a certain reason, whether it's weight loss or it's trying something new, whatever, but really it's a lifestyle change. You guys really dove into the science and the foods that in everyone's microbiota, the way that the human body was created just doesn't work well for us. Dairy is an inflammatory food for everyone. Some people can digest it better than others because you have the enzyme that breaks it down better than others. I specifically do not. My son, Kai, who's two and a half does not. It's very, very obvious when I have some cheese, I'm in gut wrenching pain. I'm running to the bathroom. 
when my son has cheese, he is gassy and bloated and looks like he's a little prego baby, right? So if we start to really pay attention to the foods that we're putting in and how we individually respond to it, then we can make more conscious decisions on customizing the decisions that we make and the lifestyle that we're going to be living to our specific gut microbiome. So that's number one. Number two, you guys cut out soy. Soy is another inflammatory food. You look at the autoimmune protocol, there's no soy in it. You look at the anti-inflammatory diet, there's no soy in it. You look at when people are dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's brain conditions, they go on the anti-inflammatory diet. Why? Because they need to lower the inflammation that's putting pressure on the brain and putting pressure on the other bodily systems. We need to lower the inflammation because that is the center of all disease. So was this a diet that you chose? I don't think so. You just found the foods that are causing and exacerbating the pain that Theo was experiencing, which was the inflammation that was causing these symptoms to be so much more pronounced. Definitely. And I think that another important thing to talk about is you mentioned microbiota and Theo with his brain inflammation that was caused from his injury, his pain became so severe later on when he was, I think about almost four diagnosed with pandas, which is an autoimmune disease that causes inflammation in his brain. And he was having, so when he would have a flare, it would just be hours and hours of him crying and screaming in pain and not us not knowing how to help him because, you know, it's basically like his brain is on fire. His body is on fire internally. And we were still doing a really great diet. We were still, you know, inflammation as low as possible. Um, and we had to do cyclical antibiotics for a while and that would kind of keep things at bay. However, it destroyed his gut and his microbiome. So we ended up doing a fecal microbiota transfer and Sean's the, he's the king on talking about all that stuff. Well, I was reading brain maker by Dr. David Perlmutter. Um, and I was in a class or a certification course called the functional medicine coaching Academy, which is a year long course that dives into total wellness and it includes diet, exercise, everything. And as I was reading this book, he has a full chapter dedicated to the fecal microbiota transplant and that there's studies happening across the globe of where you actually have a transfer of microbiota or um, it, it, what they do is from a, a healthy donor, they take feces from a healthy donor. They, they dial it down to the microbiota, which are microbiota. It, it's healthy bacteria in, that we house within our gut. And what a lot of people don't realize is our immune system is housed in our gut. 70% of our immune system is housed in our gut. So if you have dysbiosis, which means an unhealthy gut, then you're going to have some sort of chronic illness or some sort of illness. And that's exactly what Theo was with pandas autoimmune autoimmune means that your body is actually attacking itself. It's identifying healthy cells as unhealthy cells and it starts attacking itself. So it causes the, all this pain. And it got to a point with Theo specifically that he would self-harm. He'd punch himself in the head. He would scratch his scrotum until he bled. So obviously as parents, we had to figure out a, something to help solve this, to make sure that he was, we, we could help him come out of pain. But Dr. Perlmutter in the book Brain Maker says um, a lot about kids with autism, specifically how beneficial this could be. Um, a lot of times kids with autism, they were born with C-section. So they're not getting the, the microbiota transfer from the vaginal canal of their mother. And that's honestly the first exposure that you have, that a child has to healthy microbiota, healthy bacteria is from the vaginal canal as they come into the earth. So if they're born sterile through C-section, a lot of times uh, you have a higher likelihood, higher risk of being diagnosed with, with autism. So after reading that chapter, I was like, okay, we got to do something. And Angela with her group that she's connected on social media some of them had been doing this and some of them had seen some huge um, uh, improvements. And we were debating between stem cells and FMT at the, at the time. And Theo's doctor, functional medicine doctor, he recommended that we do FMT first, which we did. 
and we saw huge improvements. Yeah, it's all about the microbiome. A thousand percent. And this is something that I coach and I preach and I stand on my soapbox all the time. Sean knows on Clubhouse uh, every single week and also in the podcast is really talking about my failing forward story and how I suffered for 18 years from severe gut health problems. I had gut wrenching pain. Every time I ate, I could eat the healiest meal. I mean, a handful of spinach and a couple of almonds, which is a drizzle of olive oil. And I was bloated immediately within 10 to 15 minutes, looking like I was four or five months pregnant. And it came to the point where I I was afraid of eating, like literally back in my modeling days, I was like, I'm not going to eat. I would starve myself for days on end because I didn't want to show up and not make my weight requirement or not fit into my clothes or not feel confident in front of the, the camera. And that affected my self-confidence, which then led to depression. And then my depression got worse and worse and worse because as my gut was damaged, then what happens? There's a gut brain access. Then my brain also became damaged. So my neurotransmitters got all messed up. My serotonin levels dropped. So I became more depressed. My dopamine levels dropped and I started to feel depression and anxiety. Then I have this baby and all my hormones change right? And then what happens? I have postpartum depression and I'm starting to feel like I want to take my own life. And I have everything. I have the perfect husband. I have the perfect house. I have the perfect family. I live in a beautiful city. It's sunny all the time here, except for a couple monsoons we have in August, but I'm feeling like this life is not worth living. Why is this all happening? Well, it goes back to the root, which was my gut was damaged. And that led to all these other issues. And people don't realize the power between our gut health And like you said, Sean, you say 70%, I say over 80% of our immune system lives within the gut. So you want to go and improve your immunity, improve your gut. People are dealing with so much mental health issues right now. We're dealing with depression. We're dealing with anxiety. We're dealing with all these other things. And a lot of it is stemming from poor gut health. They're all interconnected. And instead of going to dermatologist and saying, I'm experiencing cystic acne. I have these flare-ups and now it's becoming eczema and the eczema is developing into psoriasis and it's developed all these things. And what are they doing? They're giving you spironolactone, other medications to take orally, other steroid ointments to put on your skin. And it's like solving the problem temporarily. And then you need to do what? Take more, put on more. Cause all you're doing is you're putting a bandaid on the issue when the root causes inflammation in the gut. You're dealing with these cognitive uh, cognition issues. I have brain fog. I'm exhausted. I'm lethargic. So you're going and taking all these medications when the issue is inflammation of your gut. It really almost always goes back to the gut. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up the brain health here because uh, Andrew Wakefield is someone that I look up to very much. And, you know, he was canceled. He was probably the very first person in the U.S. to be canceled who brought that theory to the table. He talked about the, the gut brain axis before anyone else. Now, a lot of people, a, a lot of the reason um, that people canceled him is because he had done a study that the MM, MMR vaccine was associated with autism rates. And he lost his license in the U S because of it. He actually lives in England now. Um, and he tells his story. Um, London rail has a awesome podcast with him, um, where he maps it all out, but the gut brain axis is so real. And us with Theo, we have absolutely seen that, but you know, what's been crazy is we help him. We've obviously improved our gut brain health as well, because our gut, as we offer him foods, we're focusing on ourselves as well. And so now we have less brain fog and we can have better recall and we have better mental health. And obviously as parents of a special needs son, we're confronting mental health challenges every single day, whether it's a lack of sleep, whether it's stress for the the different financial responsibilities that we have, because a lot of insurance doesn't cover what we do. We pay a lot out of pocket, you know, so this puts a huge strange on strain on our mental health. And so if you focus on your gut health, your brain health will improve. A thousand percent. And I was trying to pull up for you a video that I actually show in a lot of my masterminds and master classes and challenges and in my gut reset program, but it's going to take me a minute to find it. But I actually show in a video exactly how the gut and the brain communicate. And I, I depict the gut brain access visually so people can understand it. So 
If you would like to see that video, I will upload it onto Instagram for you. Go ahead and give me a follow at Niku Loesch on Instagram, N-I-K-O-U-L-O-H-S-E. I'll drop that link in the bottom as well for you, but there there's definitely a connection. And when you start to heal your gut, you start to lower the inflammation. You'll feel that your energy will will uplift. You'll feel that you wake up having more clarity in the morning. You'll feel that you're not exhausted at 12, 1, 2 PM in the afternoon, despite how much coffee you drink in the morning and how well you slept the night before. Like everything is just so much better when you heal your gut, which is why I'm a huge fan of the gut reset program I've created. And which is why I'm such a big fan of your story and how changing the foods has helped you guys not only heal yourselves as a family, but really to support Theo. Now, can you talk a little bit about pandas? Cause I know that is something that is very unique to your family that even I hadn't heard of before. So what is pandas? What does it stand for? And what are some symptoms that parents that maybe are experiencing this with their children that are dealing with potentially autism or other things should be looking out for? Pandas stands for pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with streptococcal infections. So mouthful, but, uh, First, we, so Theo's functional medicine doctor believes that pandas possibly came first before autism and autism is actually just a symptom of that pandas disorder. So pandas for us, and it can be different for a lot of kids, but pandas for us, we noticed something very different with him uh, when we were on a family vacation in Seattle. He was becoming very rigid and uh, fixated on certain things. Whereas at his core, Theo's a very easygoing, happy, loving kid. Um, but when the, this flare initially happened, he just was like very rigid, would have a meltdown over like putting on shoes, like wearing shoes became like our biggest problem in life. Um, and just a lot of meltdowns that never happened before um, and OCD, like, Oh, like fixated on the craziest things that he had never been fixated on before. And pandas is pretty rare, but it's becoming more common. And I think a lot of it has to do with just doctors not being aware of the condition and also not knowing how to run the specific blood work. I had actually heard about pandas from an OT that Theo had, um, a few years prior to his diagnosis. And I'd completely forgotten about it. She had been to some seminar where they were talking about it and she was just telling me about it and it went one ear in one ear out the other. And on that vacation, I leaned over to Sean and I was like, something is going on. Like, this isn't just autism, like something's going on. And when we got home, I talked to our doctor and had him run all the necessary blood work to diagnose pandas. And at that time, he didn't know very much about it. This was just um, our local pediatrician who's very functionally medicine. Um, like he's into it, but not, you know, completely trained on it. And we had him run all the blood work. It came back for his strep titers that came back through the roof. And he was like, I honestly don't know how to treat this, but why don't you go do your research come back and I'll create a game plan with you because he just truly trusts that parents know best, you know? Um, so that's basically how we got the diagnosis. And from then on, he, the flares became worse and worse. The flares became like extremely painful for him. It was like almost, almost like he's crawling in his own skin, like just so uncomfortable. And at sometimes he would just like putting on shoes. You could see his body just like arch and cringe and like it physically hurt him. And it was, you know, his brain telling his body, there's just completely all these misfires going on and the inflammation in his brain just created all of this havoc, like so much havoc in his body that he just couldn't function. That's pretty powerful. So that's really eye-opening for me um, because I can think of one child that is in my mom group that is experiencing very similar symptoms is what you're saying. And the mom has had him tested for everything from hearing loss to getting tubes put into all the things. And it seems like maybe I can bring this up to her and say, Hey, check this out. So for a parent that maybe is listening right now and saying, Oh my goodness, like this is really resonating where do they begin? Do they have to see a functional medicine doctor? What is the testing that they need to do? How can we shortcut this experience for them? 
Well, I think for us, we're very lucky to have a holistically minded doctor who was open to running the labs that we suggested, but I would jump right to a functional medicine doctor if possible, or research the blood work that is necessary for PANDA's diagnosis and um, see if your doctor's on board. But I mean, eventually you're going to need a functional medicine doctor in treating this properly. With uh, Western medicine, we tried really hard to do the cyclical antibiotics, which is the initial, the initial treatment for pandas to do antibiotics to you know attack the strep bacteria. But for Theo, it just kept coming back and kept coming back. And that's why we decided to do the uh, FMT procedure to get his body and his own gut able to react to the strep bacteria in a more healthy way. And I'll just jump in here that there's a network, there's a foundation called the Pandas Network um, that we ran across. You can find them on Instagram and just Google them, but they're researching all they can about pandas because it is a newer diagnosis. Um, it, it just recently over the last couple of years actually got coding for insurance to bill for it. Um, so it's uh, the DSM, I think was, it, it's going to be added eventually. I don't know that it is in the DSM, which is the manual that lists all the different diseases or illnesses. Even though it has the correct coding, though, a lot of doctors still aren't aware of it. Here's an example. So just last January, Theo had to be hospitalized because of the self-harm that he was experiencing during a really horrible flare. And in that hospital, a really well-known regional children's hospital, they did not have a um, neurologist that was trained in pandas. So the autoimmune encephalitis neurologist that Theo actually sees is in Arizona. So I think that there's also, so that there's groups on Facebook too, that have been super helpful for pandas. And then these groups on Instagram, just reaching out and talking to other parents who have been through something like this, like hashtag pandas diagnosis or hashtag pandas awareness and connect with another parent. I think that's honestly the best thing to do. I love that so much. And you guys have really been on a mission on bringing a voice to these conditions and bringing a voice to these these parents that maybe don't even know what's happening yet. And I just love all the work that you're doing, Angela, on your social and how you are being such an advocate of her work, Sean, and showing up on clubhouse and being that voice for her as well. I think it's just such a beautiful marriage, uh, no pun intended that you guys have there with what you're doing in your work. Um, I wanted to go ahead and clarify something. So Theo was first diagnosed with autism and that was pretty shortly after the vaccine. Is that correct? And how old was he when he got vaccinated? He was two when he received that specific vaccine that caused his injury. Um, and then it took us about a year and a half to get his autism diagnosis. Theo's still nonverbal today, and he will be seven years old in June. Um, and then when was it? It was 2018 that Theo received, 2019 that Theo received the PANDAS diagnosis. And so the diagnosis was, came after the fact. So I just want to clarify something really fast is we saw the, we saw the change in him as a family, but it wasn't until later that we got the diagnosis, the official diagnosis, um, a year plus later. And we did the same thing that your friend did. We had, uh, tubes put in his ears. We had all the different tests done before we actually eventually got the autism diagnosis. And I think that's normal for anyone that's experiencing, you know, disease and illness. We, we have the symptoms, but it takes us a while to find out where is the symptom coming from? Like for me, it took me 18 years to diagnose what was leading to my chronic bloating and my inflammation, which then really affected my mental health. But I could take it right back to what happened when I was 15 years old and where, you know, it took a functional medicine doctor. Now, mind you guys, I'd been going to functional medicine, doctors, naturopaths, dietitians, like everyone, hormone specialists, and they were all poking and prodding me, taking the lab work, doing the urine test, doing all the things. But I went undiagnosed for 18 years until one day a functional medicine doctor looked at labs that were done by two other naturopaths and another functional medicine doctor I went to. And she looked at it from a different perspective and said, based on symptomatically what you're telling me you're feeling. And quantitatively, what I'm seeing in your lab work, has anyone 
tested you ever for SIBO? 18 years later, I'm like, I've never even heard of that before. What is it? She's like, well, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, more commonly known as a leaky gut. I'm like, I still haven't heard of that. She's like, okay, let's do this. I'm going to give you this test. You're going to go home. You're going to breathe into these eight little tubes. You're going to send it back. And we're going to see if you're SIBO positive. Guess what? 18 years later, I finally got the diagnosis to the symptoms I'd been experiencing for almost two decades. I had been suffering with SIBO, which when it goes undiagnosed, creates more gut havoc. My gut lining was getting more and more damage, which was leading to more and more disease and illness. So God bless you guys that he was diagnosed within a year. Cause a lot of families go two, three, four, five, ten 10 years undiagnosed. So he was diagnosed with pandas when he was four years old, but your functional medicine doctor said that they believed that he probably had the pandas originally. And that's what led to the autism. And because pandas is so so unknown. I mean, I I hadn't even heard about it and I research for a living. Like this is what I do. And I interview people for a living. So maybe because he went undiagnosed for pandas that may have caused the autism or that, like you said, the toxic overload, right? Yeah. I think autism is just a symptom. Honestly, I think, and we could talk for a whole podcast worth about this. Autism is such a wide spectrum. And I think a lot of what kids are being diagnosed as with autism right now could be vaccine injury or toxic overload, but there's not, you know, a coding for that. And as a parent, we'll, we'll take whatever diagnosis we need to be able to get the services that we need for our son. So although we personally, as a family relate more to pandas because pandas is on a vaccine insert as a side effect to the Tdap vaccine. Wow. Mic drop. Let's just sit on that for a second. Medically, it has now been accepted that this vaccination could potentially lead to this disease that could then bring up the symptoms of autism and autism. Like you said, there's different types of autism and you can be on a different level on the spectrum. So I, I, you can't negate the facts or the facts, right? Um, I love that. I want to go ahead and highlight before this conversation comes to a close, the beautiful work that you guys are doing out in the world with the pure living family. Can you guys talk about some of the work that you're doing both with your website and your podcast? Yeah. Um, so, so sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, Sean. Sean's the expert on peer living family. I actually have to step away to go grab Theo and his therapist from therapy. Thank you so much for having us and Sean, and please join us on the peer living family journey. And I'm excited to meet all of you. I'd love to be there. Thank you, Angela. Nice to meet you. So for uh, the, when Angela was doing all the work and on Instagram, connecting with all these moms and she'd come home with these different protocols, these different things that we had to try, it finally got to the point where I had to contribute. And so I went out and I, I actually had a dream of the logo and it kind of developed from there. But our motto is we give you permission to take better care of yourself so you can take better care of those who you care for. Um, because the reason that came about is as we got these different diagnoses and as we dove into research, Angela and I would reach these different points of burnout where we would be completely exhausted. We would go until we drop or until we'd have this meltdown of stress overload. And we finally got to the point is like, okay, we need to figure out a flow where we can continue to advocate for our kid, but at the same time, we take care of ourselves because that's the only way that this is self-sustaining long-term. So purelivingfamily.com is our website. We started a podcast uh, about almost a year ago called the Pure Living Family Podcast. Um, On purelivingfamily.com, purelivingfamily.com, we have uh, greens that I'd like to promote just really quickly that it's really helped Theo to help improve the microbiota. Um, and it was crazy to see as we introduced healthy bacteria into Theo's gut, his palate, his diet, his cravings grew and expanded. So this is just an easy way of, um, introducing small, healthy microbiota into your kid's gut. You just mix the micro powder into a water and we feed it to Theo by syringe every morning. I take it for my breakfast every morning as well. So 
I love that. So to get access to the microgreens that they have created that have been helping their family and not only is Theo taking it, but you just heard dad's taking it too. go ahead and go to www.purelivingfamily.com backslash products. And you'll be able to find the microgreens there. Um, as a gift, Sean and Angela have actually created a discount code for the failing forward podcast listeners. If you go ahead and put Theo boy, capital T H E O B O Y, you'll be receiving a 15% discount on all the orders for those microgreens. We'll also drop the link for not only their website, but also for their podcast. If you want to continue this journey on holistic healing with Theo and his parents, go ahead and take a look at their podcast, the, um, pure living family. And then also we're going to drop a link for that actual, the actual microgreens. Cause you have the link here for me. So I'll drop that there to shortcut the process as well as Sean and Angela's social medias. You guys in this world, we need more connection. We need to come together to help each other, uplift our voices, not to cancel each other and just to be judgy, but let's come together to listen, to learn, to move forward, to fail forward, to get elevated because together that's when we're going to be able to move towards our highest and best selves. Take a look at the show notes, connect with both the mom and dad on social media, Sean and Angela Blymiller. And then also you can go ahead and connect with me on social media at Niku Loesch on Facebook. And if you wouldn't mind, if you love this conversation today, do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friend, leave a review because that's how we gain visibility. So we can get this message out there to more people, because as most of you know, I got canceled on Facebook for even using the word health in an ad. It's real. But if you can help me get this word out with the podcast, we can go ahead and create more change in this world. Sean, do you have any closing remarks for our listeners today? Just thank you, Niku, for the work you're doing both in Clubhouse and this podcast. It it's, warms my heart and gives me hope. You know, We've been jaded for a long time with everything that we faced as a family, but over the last year, uh, we've found more and more hope because there's people like you out doing this work. So thank you. Amen. Thank you so much for that. I look forward to being on your podcast soon, my friend. Have a blessed day for all the listeners. Thank you so much for being here with us. We'll be dropping some gifts for you in the show notes. So don't forget to check it out there. And if you go and take a look at this actual conversation on YouTube, you get to see the beautiful faces of Angela and Sean. We'll see you soon on another episode of Failing Forward with Nikki Loesch. Goodbye.